0: Hello all far and wide and welcome back to another episode of Outcome, it's not black and white. My name is Matt Schiff and I'm your host for today and every day thereafter, (laughs) lucky you, where my role is to bridge the gap between teasing out the mindsets, principles, tools and stories that high performing individuals have used to shape their current reality and deliver that to you through your ears. I hope that you enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of The Outcome Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. And I'm sure you might have heard about my sudden disappearance and the lack of uh, episodes coming out. If you have been waiting or wondering where they disappeared to, I wanna thank you for your patience and not losing interest. I've just returned back from Europe is all. Uh, and with the outcome podcast being uh, my, very much a passion project, it has been um, quite a process in the making. Uh, self-taught with that of my uh, my girlfriend helping me with the audio and helping things out, uh, helping me sort uh, everything out on that end. Uh, it has been quite a process as I mentioned. So uh, I appreciate your your patience and obviously your understanding and of course, um, I do actually have a few episodes lined up. Very, very cool, um, very, very cool podcast. Actually, from a few local entrepreneurs, um, one or two great, inspiring individuals who were just like you and I. I would imagine um, sort of doing it their their own way. And um, I'm not going to give away too much right now because I actually haven't put pen to paper on how exactly I would uh, describe their intro. And I'm probably going to do it an injustice by trying to do so now but to tell you a little bit about episode four joining me throughout this podcast you will hear the good or the voice of my good friend David Clancy um, who is an American French freelance filmmaker specializing in adventure travel which we touch on a little bit about in the podcast as well this actual episode was recorded out in Nicosia when I was still in Cyprus Uh, no I was in Limassol at the time in Cyprus Covered in bedbugs. Um Interesting story That And uh, we managed to Put together the recording With David sitting At a Colombian um, Coffee shop And me sitting in Somewhat of a Mud hut Out in In Limassol Which was Interesting in its own right. Uh, as a bit more of an introduction, David was born in uh, Limogos, France, but was raised up in Washington, D.C., USA, so he has got a slight accent. He has a bachelor's degree in international relations from Stellenbosch University, and we speak about his time coming through um, South Africa and spending his time traveling around the coastline of our country, but not only that, the other 37 or so countries that he visited as well. Uh, David has built a passion for filmmaking through extensive travels, and that 37 is actually being corrected to 40 countries which I think is a little bit more now he's probably closer to 50 uh, and produced content in some of the, mo- the world's most exotic places such as Angola Ethiopia Brazil Vietnam Madagascar and as I mentioned he is currently sitting out in Colombia he had managed to raise um, I'm not sure of the exact figures, but I think it was around um, two thousand dollars. I could be wrong. Uh, to try and put together some content and video for raising awareness around the Amazon fires back a couple months ago, for those who remember, he has done in some incredible, incredible footage of. Some spectacular wildlife Some spectacular tourist destinations um, Untouched destinations Um, And all of his All of his videos If you do come across uh, Whether it be on Instagram Or whether it's somewhere on YouTube Will actually find that he's got Quite a nice underlying message Amongst them all Uh, Not only does he showcase the, The beautiful areas which he's in And his experience within those areas Within the locals, with the food, with with all the people that are um, included in his videos, but he also explains a lot of the messaging behind why the film was produced. Um, that he more often than not directs himself, definitely shoots himself, and um, through his sort of uh, extroverted personality, and manages to grow to grab in a few um, uh, a few protagonists in his in his shots and um, depicts a beautiful beautiful, beautiful journey uh, along his videos. David ultimately aims to reach a diverse audience from many corners of the world who seek adventure and the thrill of the unknown, which very much comes out in our conversation. He works with a wide variety of clients, such as travel agencies, NGOs, design companies, artists. And essentially, if you had to sort of define David in one phrase, it would ultimately be one chance, I think would be the best way to describe him. Uh, I hope that you enjoy this episode and thank you very much for tuning in. Cheers. Dave, how's it going, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, Shiffy. I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing really well. Good to hear from you. I uh, had a look at your Instagram a little bit earlier, and we were um, obviously chatting this afternoon, and it looked like you were sitting in some sort of cafe, uh, outdoor coffee shop sort of situation. Where are you at the moment?
1: Yeah, I'm sitting in a wonderful little cafe here in Medellin, Colombia which is the second largest city in Colombia, and it's a city high up in the Andes. Okay, and uh, what are you doing there? (laughs) That's a good question. Well, I've been um, living here for the past couple months, and I moved here from South Africa in June. And uh, yeah, just decided that the time had come to start start from scratch,
0: and um, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> okay, um, well, I mean, I know that a little over three months ago, as you said, we were, we were sitting in my apartment having dinner, uh, chatting about your next travel adventures and my potential tour of Europe, which I am currently doing and which you are currently doing. Uh, but just to give a bit of context to folks, I think uh, a good introduction is probably due. Uh, Dave Clancy, uh, who I've got on the, the call with me today, is in a French-American freelance filmmaker specializing in, in adventure travel. And at this point in time, finds himself sitting in Colombia, as you've just heard. And uh, interestingly enough, Dave and I met in Stellenbosch University, trying to finish off our degrees, where Dave actually, quote unquote, snuck into South Africa on a four-year-long student visa, which I have come to know uh, has, is almost impossible to get. What? How did you do that? To maybe let's start there, Dave. Yeah. Uh, let's just let's just say I got very lucky. I uh, I
1: first studied abroad, so I I did a six month exchange at Stellenbosch, from um, my university in the states, and I decided that I liked it so much that I was going to stay. And when I went to apply and transfer, um, the lady basically asked me, "Well." how long do you think you're going to study for? And I told her four years, even though I don't think I was going to study for four years. And just like that, next thing you know, I have a stamp in my passport um, saying that I'm free to stay until 2019. So I was pretty amazed. And I quickly found out that it's quite difficult to get a visa for that long. Yeah,
0: no doubt. You snuck through the system there somehow and managed to sneak under the radar. I mean, we got to grow a friendship together and I got to sort of watch you travel the world whilst I was putting in some uh, late night study sessions in and amongst our, our time there. Um, but Dave, let's, let's, I think a great place to start is to maybe chat about it a bit more, especially highlighting your uh, adventurous travel industry, photography and filmmaking that you're a part of, which I believe drew you to Colombia uh, from your sets. Is that correct?
1: Yes. You know, just like South Africa, I've always been curious about Colombia and what, what it would be like to live there. And only when I came here did I find out how diverse and incredible this country is. It's actually, in terms of biodiversity, it's the second most diverse country in the world. And it's not only the nature, but it's the people that really make this place special the energy and the atmosphere of people's daily lives that are so enriching and for me that's that's really one of the most attractive things about living here
0: right and i'm sure that's quite a it's quite a bold statement i mean you over the times that we've come to know each other you have been to over 40 countries Uh, you've produced content through filmmaking in some of the world's most exotic places, like Angola, Ethiopia, Brazil, Vietnam, Madagascar, a lot of South Africa as well. Um, what is it about travel in particular that you, that you like so much? Why do you do it? I think the best way to sum it up is,
1: no matter how much you might think about a destination that you've never been to before, no matter what expectations you may have, for me, most of the time I'm surprised by what I end up seeing. And I think it's, it's the excitement of the unknown that drives my curiosity. And I'm just always surprised. Basically I, I end up, you know, I go somewhere thinking, Oh, it's going to be like this, you know, the food's going to be like this, the the logistics are going to be like this. And then I get completely lopsided, you know, it's, it's, I get thrown under the bus because I had these expectations. But they're not real expectations. So it's the drive of the unknown for me that really excites me, and you know
0: drives my curiosity. I, I have I have so many questions about that, which I think we'll we'll get into in just a bit. But I have to ask you: you got a degree from from Stellenbosch, and you were pretty much set up to to go back to the US. Uh, after studies you could have perfectly done so however you decided to put yourself in a position where more often than not you were couch surfing or you you were trying to find some form of living situation in whatever country you might have planned up for that that particular week um how did you go from studying something for four years in a foreign country to filmmaking and traveling uh, where was that transition that had always been something that is part of your, your interest, or is it just something that you stumbled upon?
1: You know, yeah, that's not, that's a really good question. I think the turning point for me was in my second year in Stellenbosch. Um, I really, I can't think of a specific moment, but I was completely immersed in the beauty that is the Western Cape and I was constantly hiking and constantly surfing in the most beautiful locations. And that's where I discovered my passion for photography and filmmaking. Um, that's where it really took off. I mean, I would say that my ga- during my gap year before Stellenbosch, I, you know, took a trip around the world for nine months. And I had a, my phone and my camera with me, but it, w- it was nothing professional. It was very amateur. But I decided to make a quick film or quick recap of my nine months abroad. And the feedback I got from my friends and family were like, wow, you should really keep doing this. Make more films of your trips. We'd love to see more. And that's probably where the birthplace was, but it really took off once I got to South Africa. And I just realized that there's so much beauty in the world that needs to be shown from new perspectives, fresh perspectives. And it's really the people I surrounded myself with that inspired me. Like Michael Feltman, for example, he's the guy who really taught me
0: a lot about editing. And
1: yeah, South Africa is really where it took off.
0: Right. And uh, just as a, I suppose, a softer question here, do you have any particular go-tos when it comes down to camera choice or editing software that you normally use? What, is your, what camera do you have with you at the moment?
1: At the moment, I'm shooting with a Sony Alpha A7 III. Um, but to directly answer your question, I believe that if you have an artistic eye and you have, you know, a, a u- unique perspective of the world, it doesn't matter what you're shooting with, whether it's your iPhone or whether it's with a nice camera or not. People are going to love your work if it's if it's it doesn't matter how what camera you have and that's what i've learned through my travels is i've met people with very basic equipment and their work was way more incredible than what i've seen with people who had you know equipment that's worth thousands of dollars more so i'm i'm doing this full time now so i do have a qu- quite nice gear but if you're just getting started off I wouldn't say that you necessarily need to invest in a lot of, a lot of money in, in gear. So, yeah.
0: Right. Okay. So, I mean, my three months around Europe at this point in time, 90% of my photos have been taken with my iPhone 8. And I don't say that they're comparable to yours necessarily. Um, but it's good to hear coming from a semi-professional that it doesn't need to be the, the top-notch gear that is required. Um, just to take a step back, you're, we're the same age, 25, um, and you had done nine months prior to studying a, a trip around the world where you dabbled in a bit of photography, you dabbled in a bit of filmmaking. Um, and then to come across that passion, um, you know, towards the end of, your, end of your studies and then want to actually pursue it. What I'm interested to hear, what was the kind of self-talk in your, in your own mind? Was it a, a conversation back and forth where you said, let's give this a go and see how far it goes or did someone actually approach you and say i like your work here's an opportunity what can you produce
1: no i think it was more of a self-discovery and it was my mind telling me how far can my imagination go how far can i take this to a new level you know like what i love about my camera and is the, is the places it can take me to that I never would have imagined existed, like the Congo or like Madagascar. It's just that, that uncertainty, going back to the, to the idea of the unknown that really excites me. It's like, I can't really think of other career paths where I could have this, this impulsive attitude towards life that takes me to places you know, that I Mm. I couldn't imagine existed. Um, so I think it really is a blessing that I discovered this on my own and that, you know, I, I never really had anyone tell me, Oh, you should get into
0: fog photography. I kind of just discovered it on my own. Right. That's like you said, it's quite a, it's quite a blessing. And I think it's it's definitely played dividends. We'll come into a bit more of your, uh, the experiences you've had amongst travel in, in just a bit. So, uh, don't worry about that but uh again there's there's a, there's an essence here which i'm uh i'm just, i think i'm trying to figure out we're we're the same age uh, you and i yeah. and I think well i'm actually of, 24
1: Matt.
0: <laughs> you're you're younger um I'm a few months a, younger, lo- yeah. <laughs> a lot of i i feel a lot of the friends which i have and a lot of the conversations which i'm involved in uh often weigh up because i'm sometimes a bit notorious about having deep conversations all the time, often way up around finding a purpose, finding a passion, and then just pursuing that relentlessly. It's throwing yourself into it amidst the challenges and amidst all the glory that one could attain to. Um, And you actually had made that decision going into the unknown. It was an interest. Uh, More and more so as we're growing up in our generation, we find there's a lot of attention over marketing, There's a lot of attention around video, uh, filmography, Instagram. And I guess my question to you is there was, there was no prior training that you had other than through your connection with Mike um, around marketing yourself. You were recording videos uh, purely for yourself and then sharing that with your audience, being family and friends, right? Exactly. As far as, as far as I understand. And, uh, from that point on, it just started taking off and you started getting some sort of attraction and some good feedback came through. What was, that, what was that feeling for you when you started getting affirmation that the work that you were delivering was, was pretty good, that people were liking what they were seeing?
1: Yeah, I think one of the things I want to say is I want to talk about social media. And, you know, I, like many people, I have a love-hate relationship. But I'm beginning to realize in my early, you know, I'm still in the early age of my career, but in the very, very early stages, it's the feedback that I got on social media that kind of, it, it was a huge encouragement. And I'm I'm really thankful for it because I, I can't imagine 10, 15 years ago, just, let's just say 10 years ago. I don't think that the common person that wanted to get into whether it's photography or any other field of work, I don't think they would have naturally, it would have been normal for them to get that kind of encouragement from friends and family on on the web, you know? It's such a virtual thing. And I want to say that there weren't many, you know, there weren't many specific moments where I realized that this was my path, but it was a, it was a transition. It was a gradual phase of of positivity from friends
0: and family that really set me up, set me going. If that right. makes sense. No, no, of course. I mean, it's, I think it's Um, it, it does make sense and it is, it is complicated in its own right. So well. yeah. And
1: as much as I hate social media, like, because it can be very superficial at the same time, even if, if it, even if it was just a few comments on my videos, a few comments on my photos from people being like, wow, this is amazing, keep going. That really, it, it, it was a small gesture, but it made a difference. And that I've got to say, like, that's really important. Um, so getting the support from friends and family, whatever it is that you're doing is crucial.
0: And how is it that you got into adventure travel what What does adventure travel actually mean to you for me it's uh taking a walk along the streets of uh Cyprus with some crazy drivers going left, right, and center and trying to not get hit by a car but uh, what is what, what is adventure travel to you, and how have you found your your niche in that industry
1: yeah it's it's a good question because it, it can be it could be a very broad i mean it is a very broad term but uh I found my passion through adventure travel in Africa, in going to places that people normally wouldn't think of going to. Um, I volunteered in Uganda for a month, and um, that, that for me was a very eye-opening experience, living in a village, um, being the only white person in a fishing village of 20,000 people, and that for me was the, the, the essence of an adventure, you know, and, I, and I, I found this niche of adventure travel because I found that there was a demand for people wanting to, to see these destinations that, that are, are unheard of, you know, and I found that, yes, there's, a, there's more and more demand for this type of entertainment um, that you normally wouldn't think of in the Western world, you know, so it's a growing niche. Um, there is demand for it. And, you know, Africa was a great place to, to be based and to, to, to for discovery and, and, for, and, and finding these unknown destinations.
0: Where else have you traveled within Africa?
1: So I've traveled to um, a total of 15 countries around Africa but the
0: majority of the 15 countries within 15 yeah
1: Uh, and
0: the majority of
1: them have been around southern africa just because of my proximity you know living in south africa that you know geographically you're so close to so many neighboring countries like zimbabwe and namibia and mozambique and zambia and um but I've done a f- the, the place I've gone to the most is actually Uganda. You know, I've done tri- three trips there, and I work with an organization there that does really great work in communities. And uh, that has to be one of my favorite places is Uganda.
0: And how is it that you set up your itinerary, if you will, to each of these countries? Was it a was it a let me contact a NGO to help with a particular community development project or was it more of a zest for, I wonder what this country is like, and arrive and find opportunities?
1: Yeah, so it was a little different, a little bit of everything. Um, a lot of it was networking. And I would, you know, know somebody who knew somebody in Mozambique, and they would, we would set something up where I would come film for a dive shop or... Um, I went to Angola on a spontaneous trip to film some Portuguese surfers. Another example is buying a last-minute ticket to Victoria Falls and on location just emailing hotels and offering um, marketing videos, just last-minute offers. So every trip has been different. um, But I'd say the majority of the trips were quite impulsive. that's, that's really my character. Um, so a little bit of everything. Though. That's,
0: um, you know, it's admirable. You know, we're, as I said, we're the same age. And it's something that uh, is non-conventional. It's something I have idealized. And I think many of my friends and family members have done so too, around sort of booking a last minute ticket and going to Victoria Falls. <laughs> goodness. But it's, uh, it's, that, it's that making that decision, which often stumps me, that security I'm a control freak I like to know where I'm going to be staying what I'm going to be doing however what I mean like you say your character is to just sort of reach out and and uh, put yourself out there is that something that you have always had as a as a kid growing up that you just throw yourself into situations or have you been a bit more diligent in your uh, decision making have you been I know that this person knows that I can get you I'm going to reach out to them And hope for the best. I would say that, um,
1: you know, before I left the United States for the first time, I was, I've always been a risk taker. But even growing up through my childhood, um, you know, I was known for taking unnecessary risks and being impulsive. But so that is my character from the beginning. But when I started to travel, there was something like in my mind that just it was this repetitive thought that what if something happens and I don't wake up tomorrow? Will I be satisfied with what I've done? And um, I guess the point I'm trying to say is I do believe in, you know, the phrase one chance, even though you might have, you you might have multiple chances in your life to do something, but you don't know what's going to happen. And, the whole goal behind my gap year after I graduated from high school was to just live every moment like it was my last. And that's kind of, it's, it's very cliche, but it's something I do believe in and we hear it all the time, but the question is,
0: do we actually execute what, what we want? And, um, that, that is exactly the question. And if you don't mind me, uh, sort of going on to that point, I'm going to, I want to ask you about that. How is it that you had gone about and lived each day as if it were your last? It is something we hear. It is something that people know, but to go out and I know there's a there's often a, a Facebook group at the moment or a drive called Yes Theory. Yeah, that's great. phenomenal things. Obviously, it's in its name. You the the premise is that you just say yes to anything that comes your way, any opportunity, uh, and you see some phenomenal stories and pictures being posted. It's very much the kind of character I see you having, um, but how is it that you? How is it that you did that? Well, can you maybe take us through a couple of examples or stories that you had gone through where you literally your decision making in living each day is if it were are last? So,
1: I think the most impulsive decision I ever made in, in my entire life was, yeah, the most impulsive decision I've ever made in my life was to. Um, hitchhike across the outback in Australia and uh, just to give you a little background info I I was doing construction in Australia when I was 19 years old I was saving up money to travel and after I finished my my job for six weeks I decided I asked a friend to to drive me to a ramp on the highway and drop me off. And I decided to hitchhike from Perth to Darwin, which was a total of about 4,000 kilometers. And at that very moment, you know, I was scared. I I was like, this is, what am I doing? Is this really, is this really worth it? And I decided to execute it and everything turned out okay. I never had any issues. Um, but I think it was it was that it was that one it was, it was another turning point where I I decided that if I really want to go for something I shouldn't let anything stop me from from doing it and um, that's led to other uh, opportunities in my life that I think I wouldn't have had if I hadn't taken that leap of faith and um, I know it's not something everyone can do but if you I, I would say that if you are in a, in a point of your life where you, you don't know what you want you don't know what you're doing like w- what you're doing now traveling around Europe and living new experiences I'm sure you're going to look back on these experiences and you say wow this really helped me this really made a difference even though at the time I might have been you know really unsure of myself but the point I'm trying to make is um, being impulsive, I think, can lead to r- really great things.
0: And I mean, that is, that is something exactly which I would like to dig into. That, that philosophy of one chance and putting yourself out there is something which I have personally admire in, in your, much of your work and much of your uh, personality that you, you obtain. But if you don't mind me asking, excuse the, the cumbersomeness of the question. How is it exactly? What, what is it about putting yourself out there that you are deliberately doing? Uh, what does that look like?
1: Uh, I think the best way to put it is if you're afraid to go up to someone in the street to a stranger, do it. If you're afraid of moving to a new city that you don't know, do it. If you're afraid of starting a new job, that you you have no experience in do it um so i i think the best way to put it is it can be taking that leap of faith can be in many different aspects of your life and um as long as you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone um you know that you're you're, you're doing something positive you're you might not realize it at the time but it's beneficial
0: yeah i mean it's it's interesting you say that I know of quite a few people that you know we have these ambitions to either pick up that instrument and play it again or um start that that freelance business or just simply change jobs or whatever it might be given the context um however the the simple act of just doing this i think is is quite unique um you know the the last two months that Two and a half months that I've been traveling around, uh, traveling around Europe, it, it has its, its restrictions somewhat. I am very limited on places I can go and uh, things that I can see within Europe, at least on a Schengen visa, as an example. So I have this ambition to want to just do things. However, you're, you know, people—we're riddled with we're creatures of habit, and we're riddled with with this uh, limiting beliefs or with internal fear that we're either not good enough or that it will fail or I suppose in your situation that you could become broke or you don't have any escape route Is that not something that you think of before making a decision? Do you not think of the worst case scenario and then act or do you just jump right in?
1: Uh, To be honest, you know, for my specific situation, um, luckily enough, I, you know, have the support of my family. So I do normally just jump in, but I know that's not the case for everyone. And not everyone's going to have that pillow to lay
0: on in case shit hits the fan. And, um, yeah,
1: it's hard to say,
0: you know. It's an interesting talking point. um, And it's just something that I think most people are quite cognizant of, you know, in in making that transition. Um, Which I I guess to take a step back slightly, we will move on from this briefly (laughs) I guarantee you. But I think the last question I want to just ask around um, somewhat of your, your your experience into adventure travel is, is you made the decision to follow a passion after becoming qualified through a degree. Uh, that decision was impulsive and it was something that you were interested in. Is there any advice that you might have other than just doing it? Yeah, I'm I sure think much-
1: that you the most important thing you need to do is f- to follow your heart and you're going to have a lot of outside pressures. You're going to have your parents, your friends or other people in your life that have expectations of you. And I know personally that, you know, there's probably quite a few people in my life that had different expectations for myself, having gone to a reputable university and not following my career path, not following what I studied, they probably were slightly surprised. But at the end of the day, it's about what you want. And if you can get over that, that, that wall, that barrier, where you have all these outside pressures telling you what they think you should do, I think that's the most crucial thing is figuring out that this is your life. You have a very limited time on this planet and that you need to do what your heart is telling you to do. And you you might not know what your heart is telling you to do, but sooner or later, you're going to find out what that is. And it might take some time. You you might not find it as quickly as I did, but it will come eventually if you
0: let it come. A big factor within this particular podcast, and I, I know that most of the listeners are reaching out towards, is actually applying something tangible and, um, you know, either picking up a resource or a, a, a tool of sorts, um, metaphorically speaking, of course, that helps them in making that decision. Um, were there any books, podcasts, moments in your life that helped you just do it?
1: Yeah, there is um, one guy I can I can name specifically. His name is Casey Neistat. And uh, he actually has this video on YouTube called Make It Count. And it's about him and his buddy. And they're given a budget for a film, uh, for a commercial actually. And they end up spending the entire budget on just traveling the world together. And they take a leap of faith because they don't know whether their client is going to like the idea that they just blew the entire budget on travel and living experiences. And it's quite an old film, actually. It was made maybe eight or nine years ago. Um, for me, it's, it's, it's just the essence of, of taking, a, taking a leap of faith. And uh, it's pretty raw. It's pretty, it's pretty special.
0: Sure. I'll, I'll include that into the show notes as well and uh, a link to watch Make It count. I haven't yet seen it myself, so uh, I'll add that to my list of uh, holiday sort of September homework to get around to. Um, Maybe to fast forward a couple of years, you find yourself in Colombia. Where were you prior to arriving in Colombia? And I'm going to sort of dovetail that question. I have noticed you are obviously in South America, but you have intention of going to the Amazon amidst the Amazon fires. So the question is two-part. How is it that you found yourself going to South America? And how is the quest to go film something around Amazon Fires going?
1: Yeah, sure. I'd love to give you guys an update about that. Um, So I have uh, a bit of experience in eco-filmmaking. And because of my proximity to Brazil, um, I decided uh, about three weeks ago to take action and launch a fundraiser for a film project which um, aims to spread awareness and clarity about what is happening in the Brazilian Amazon at the moment. And yeah, my fundraiser has gone really, really well. I've managed to reach my goal. And um, yeah, so I've been busy trying to plan the logistics with the organization I'm going to be working with, which is called the Rainforest Alliance. And it's been a very frustrating process um, trying to organize this trip because. You know, at the moment, these frontline organizations are so busy trying to fight the fires and trying to get a filmmaker to come down there and organize all the logistics behind that is very challenging. So it looks like the project's being postponed indefinitely, maybe until October, um, just because, you know, we keep getting delays and... Um, it's quite a, it's quite a heated area at the moment. There's, you know, reports. Excuse the pun. Yeah. Excuse excuse the pun, but, um, there's reports of activists being killed and, um, we just need to make sure that before we we decide to do something together, that, um, the places we're going to go to are secure enough. So it's a very, you know, I don't think I've ever put myself into something in terms of organizing Yeah, it's never been this challenging before. And, you know, it's kind of a reality check for me because I thought that I could just, like we said, make it happen right away. But um, it's turning out to be much more complicated than I thought.
0: Right. A lot of the the footage which I've watched you produce has a very strong uh, message tied into it, almost a golden thread around creating environmental awareness Uh, sustainable development, uh, philanthropy, looking out for communities and your neighbor. Is that a particular theme that is deliberate in the countries you go to and the work that you do? Or is it just so happen that you come across the Rainforest Alliance that need a a videographer to help out?
1: No, I actually, I reached out to them. I reached out to quite a few different NGOs working in the Amazon. And luckily enough, they got back to me pretty quickly. Um, And I I have a little bit of experience working with WWF in Madagascar. So, but yeah, I'm really trying to get myself more into the conservation field with my filmmaking. And not just, you know, make pretty films about beautiful places. There needs to be a message behind it about we're living in a moment that our generation, the millennials need to take action because at this very moment we're at, we're at a turning point. And if we don't do something, if we don't use our voice, um, things are going to get a lot worse. And that's something I've recently become much more passionate about. And um, I'm trying to veer away from other, you know, there's a lot of filmmakers my age that are just trying to Capture the beauty of a destination without any message behind it, and while you know their work may be great, I, I I do wish that more people could, you know, make an effort to to spread awareness about climate issues, and that's something I really want to do moving forward.
0: It's uh, it's I think it's it's crucially important, and. I'm glad you brought up the Madagascar uh, mission you did with WWF. Um, can you talk us through a little bit what your, what your mission was there?
1: Yeah, of course. So Madagascar is my favorite country I've ever been to. It is so unique. It's actually called by many people the Eighth Continent. And luckily enough, last year, I was given an opportunity to film for a local travel agency on the island. And I spent six weeks filming all over the island in the most remote locations, filming trekking expeditions, um, diving, you know, the local culture and basically filming a, a series of expeditions across the island. And when I was there, everywhere I went, I witnessed deforestation. I witnessed forest fires. And I came up with the idea that, well, I came up, with the realization that no, I should not only be filming these beautiful places. I should also be documenting what is happening at this very moment, because very few people know that deforestation in Madagascar is among the highest in the world and has among the highest rates in the, of any country in the world. And so while I was there for six weeks, I ended up documenting fires all across the island and interviewing locals and in the end, I ended up making a ten-minute documentary, in collaboration with WWF, that highlights the beauty of the island while also showcasing the horror of what is happening in terms of the biodiversity, the unique fauna and flora of the island being burnt um, because of um, because of cattle. You know, they're they're burning the forest. To, for cattle, yeah. cattle um, production and other other issues such as rice paddies. You know, every year during the dry season, they cut down the trees because you know, the rice consumption in Madagascar is among the highest in the world. So there's many different factors, but this documentary I made, um, this very last minute spontaneous documentary was a big turning point for me because before that, I had never really pushed myself in, into this conservation field. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that, for that experience.
0: Yeah. Look, Dave, I mean, if we, you're all over Instagram and all over YouTube and you've got videos and, photogra- and photos of you in the sand dunes of Namibia, as well as mines out in Joburg. You've got uh, the beautiful images of that of Madagascar. You're in Dolomite in Italy. You've got, uh, I mean, eating food out in Morocco. There's a there's a fair amount of uh, travel which you have done. H- how many countries have you been to in total? Do you know? uh, yeah
1: I I do know I'm, I'm I I am keeping track, but I, I would recommend you know don't if you, if you are gonna do it don't don't get obsessive about it. <laughs> but I'm uh, I'm clocking in at forty nine at the moment,
0: so Ecuador will be my fiftieth next month. Ecuador will be your fiftieth country, Dave. That's uh, that's super interesting, man, and um excuse the sort of slight change in direction right now. But uh, one thing I just sort of want to bring to the fore is ask you, is there any particular country that comes to mind that you feel deserves more attention than the other 49 countries you have been to up to this point? Sure. There there are,
1: you know, there, there's a handful. I mean, there's more than a handful of countries in Africa, particularly that aren't getting any attention. Um, that really are remarkable places, but unfortunately because of um, past events, they they have a very bad reputation in, in the media spotlight. And one country that I think deserves more attention that I've been learning about recently is Algeria and um, I actually met a, a friend recently on the Pacific coast of Colombia, whose father, she's Canadian, but her father is from Algeria. And she was just telling me about the Sahara um, in the southern regions of Algeria and how it's, it's just a lost world. There are no tourists, but it, I mean, there's huge mountain ranges in in the southern part of the country with massive sand dunes. And it's just one of those places that because of the past, at the moment it is safe, but um, because of the past, embassies still have travel alerts that are outdated. and There's other factors to include, but um, that's one place that's on my list um,
0: specifically. And I hope to get to sometime in the near future. And if I had to diverge that question to us as bystanders who perhaps don't have the chance to get out to Algeria anytime too soon, what is it that we can do? What is it, how is it best that we can contribute to these areas or these countries where um, we just simply don't have the flexibility to get there at this point?
1: Well, I think one of the core cool, cool advantages we have is the fact that we can connect with anyone in the world via social media so if you're interested in the country but you don't have the means to get there you could connect with people you can connect with locals through the internet and you can just chat with you know just start by chatting with them and being like hey man i'm i'm from south africa and i'd love to learn more about your country if you're free for a whatsapp call or if you want to chat via instagram i would love to to learn more and That's just one of the first, you know, steps you could take.
0: Yeah, that's, that's brilliant. I think you also mentioned something around, um, I was at your, your premiere of the Madagascar film that you, you briefly mentioned earlier. And, uh, one of the best ways I, I took away from that experience was, you know, simply word of mouth exactly talking about the area, uh, deforestation, although it might be slightly, uh, uneducated to some degree if you're uncertain they also recommend videos or particular articles that highlight more the the issues that are happening in those areas um, yeah th- th- spreading the opinion. word
1: exactly i was going to bring that brilliant. up that um
0: is yeah it's
1: really is word of mouth among your your peers and you know uh, you, you could just bring it up and be like hey did you know how beautiful Madagascar was did you know that there are canyons and, and amazing scuba diving and all of these things? And I think, you know, driving, that, that's one way to drive someone's curiosity about a destination.
0: For sure. I mean, it has for me and my girlfriend at this point, let me tell you. So um, we've added that to our, to our travel list. Hopefully we can get out there sometime soon. Um, Dave, a slight segue. I'm going to sort of shoot you into some rapid fire questions. Sure. Uh, if you, if you'd be uh, happy to answer a few of those, uh, before closing off, but I guess the first question I wanted to ask you now that you're a seasoned traveler about to hit 50 countries at the age of 24, uh, is there anything particular that you always travel with that is not your camera, whether it be an item of clothing or a journal or a, I don't know, something that you have find has come more handy than usual. (laughs) Flip flops <laughs> flip flops well
1: yeah flip flops are a great a great a great aspect to travel with a great item to travel with um, if it 's not my okay. camera it 's my drone. I love capturing new perspectives and I take it wherever I go, even though I'm, I may know that I may not actually fly, but just in case I take it wherever I go and Besides that, I do like to have a good reading book because I know some of the journeys in buses can take many, many hours and yeah, it's great to have good
0: music, good Spotify playlist (laughs) and good books. And is there anything within the last uh, year, maybe two years, under 500 Rand, which I would imagine is about what, 50, $50? Uh, that you have purchased that has been a blessing in your life amongst your travels? Oof, that's a good question.
1: Um, I'd have to think about that, Matt.
0: <sighs> I, suppose, I suppose flip-flops can fall in Yeah, that I'm sure flip-flops can fall in <laughs> that category, yeah. Uh, okay, no, that's cool. Um, Dave, if there is one or two things that you could put out there around um, – uh, other partnerships that you have formed, or content where people can refer to, uh, to either upskill their own knowledge around conservation, or share. Is there any sites that you can recommend us visiting?
1: Sure. Yeah. One, one site. Well, one. I'm going to speak specifically about a YouTube channel. Is WWF? They have incredible videos that spread awareness. Um, and particularly, they worked with um, Planet Earth on a new series, and the, at the moment they're they've been uploading these short these short YouTube videos about certain issues such as plastic waste and um, you know plastic pollution and carbon emissions and they're very short but very direct videos where you can learn a lot in a short span of time so i would definitely recommend wwf's youtube channel
0: okay perfect i'll include that into the show notes as well so people can just click on the link to go um yeah to go check that out but otherwise otherwise dave you're you're heading out to ecuador in just a couple of weeks um what is the best way for people to to stay in touch with you and to see how your travels are going? Yeah, I would
1: say at the, at the moment, I'm most active on Instagram. I'm posting a lot of stories of my travels. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm trying to keep people as updated as possible. My YouTube isn't as frequent, but I'm still uploading at least once a month on YouTube. And otherwise, best way to get in touch with me is through email if you really want to get a direct response
0: from me you can send me an email
1: and that's that's where i'm very active as well
0: perfect for those that want to have a good follow and i'll I'll include this later into the show notes but that is david clancy films on instagram or uh, www.davidclancyfilms.com via the website Uh, you can have a look at that dclancy94 at gmail.com you can find all of that in the notes, as per usual, where I will post them. Dave, I wanted to thank you, bud. Thanks for taking the time out. And uh, I hope that you're enjoying the, the, the beautiful city of Columbia at, uh, where you are at the moment. And I'm looking forward to catching up with you and seeing a few more of your, your clips that you're posting in the next couple of weeks. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Matt.
1: And, uh, yeah, I really appreciate it.
0: And uh, let's, let's, uh, let's chat soon. Hope all is well in Cyprus. We'll chat soon. <laughs> it's going pretty well. Thanks, buddy. Chat, Chat cheers. soon. Cheers. Hey, guys. Matt here again just before you run off. Thank you for lending me your ears and tuning in once again. I hope that you enjoyed the conversation. And, of course, I would love to hear any sort of feedback you might have. You can do so through all forms of social media really i've probably spammed enough about that all through my email which is outcome at gmail.com i would love to hear from you and even to say hello uh, for those that have any advice on long distance recording please feel free to share and send through a few links as well i am an open book and am willing to learn uh, as usual if you have any other news please pass it through and if you haven't yet subscribed or shared the podcast via the very many links that you could potentially find it on i encourage you to do so too Uh, looking forward to hearing from you and until then cheers